Shirt Pod is back for Series 2, and we're kicking off with a hugely enjoyable chat with this fangirl, Head Hodjo, Amy Druka. This fangirl started out as a photography project to counter the stereotypical portrayal of female football supporters, and since then it's grown into a thriving community in celebration of female fandom. Amy's also a massive Leicester City fan, so prepare yourself for a misty-eyed reminiscence of the Fox's unlikely 2016 title triumph. Thank you very much for, for coming on the Football Shirt Pod. Uh, massive, massive appreciation for uh, giving us some of your time. First of all, how do we describe you? <laughs> that is a great question. How would you describe me? I mean, I struggle to do that myself. Um, I just, I sort of, when I talk about myself, I sort of say first and foremost, I'm actually a freelance creative producer because um, that's what I did before this fangirl um, all those years ago before we started that. I'm also the founder of this fangirl, which is an online platform for female football fans created by, powered by, um, just for women who love the game. Um, that I, I suppose that's probably what most people would potentially know me for. Um, but yeah, I sort of sit between the two things. So I do freelance work. I'm currently working for England Netball, actually, doing creative with them. Oh, wow. And then I do um, this fangirl. Definitely not on the side, but that's sort of like my, yeah. I guess, my second job at the moment. And you're also uh, a massive Leicester City fan. And I think we should dig into that now because obviously Leicester, um, wow, the last five or six seasons has been something else. T- tell us about where this love affair with Leicester first began. I mean, Leicester City is my favourite topic to talk about. I feel like I just end it. Every single time I talk to anyone, I feel like I always circle back to just being a Leicester City fan. And you're right. It has been uh, an amazing um, five, six years to be a Leicester City supporter. It just feels like every single season, there's always just been something. So even if you sort of rewind a year, a couple of years, even before Leicester won the title, which is obviously the biggest thing that's ever happened to the club, Probably yeah. to the city, probably yeah. to my family. Um, <laughs> there was a re- there was a great couple of years even before that. Like you sort of, yeah. think some, I think sometimes we forget that 2014, 2015, Leicester almost looked like absolutely, definitely not going to last another year in the Premiership. Yeah. And then the great escape, seven, I think it was what was it, six, seven matches on the bounce, just one, just incredible scenes at the end of that season. You could mm. almost taste that something something was happening at Leicester. There was a real, um, there was a magic element to it. Yeah. And we can't not talk about the title winning season. I, I, I think I've talked, I talk about this so often, <laughs> but I still haven't managed to find the words to actually explain what it meant. Yeah. I don't think I ever will. I think it's like I, I was t- talking to someone recently and I was just like there's no there's no physical way for me to explain how much I love my baby girl. There is there's just, the words don't exist. And it's the same <laughs> hang on, thing. Hang on, hang like... on, hang on. You're about to compare Leicester winning the league <laughs> with the love for your your child. I mean, I understand <laughs> it. I'm on board with it. Carry on, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes you just can't put it into words, can you? But honestly, yeah. Leicester winning that title, it was just like all-encompassing mm. and just so you couldn't have possibly imagined it at the start of the season. So it was just that journey from mm. from a, a, an incredible start um, with a, a start of running matches to just how that how that built over the season, how they sort of sort of pulled away from the rest of the pack, um, mm. and then the sort of the pure 
dizzying like worry of like what it would have meant if sort of Spurs caught up with us and then Spurs sort of fumbling at the end of the season and then that <laughs> those final moments that final um Spurs Chelsea game yeah. where it did sort yeah. of end up with Leicester winning the title just just the the excitement the exhilaration it, it was just imp- you know it was it was incredible what, what was the point at which you thought we're going to do this do you know what I think? I think a lot of people that I've spoken to, I think it was the same moment. It was the Man City game, and it was, um, I think it was a January one, mm. and obviously a huge game to be going into, a huge game um, for Leicester to be taking on, and it was that beautiful little bit of footwork from Mares to sort of get round the defender, and then I think the score, what was it? It was the three-one in the end, and I think yeah. from that, I think I was sat in with the pub with my friends, and I was just like what have we just witnessed? Like up until that point, I think even as Leicester fans, you sort of think that it was happening by accident mm. and you sort of think, okay, well, you know, maybe it's just sort of a run of a run of games being a fluke. But that one, it was it just sort of showcased that this was a different team. This was a different energy and this was a completely... Um, this, was not, this, this, was, this wasn't a fluke, actually. This mm. was um, a Leicester side that were... Yeah, really marching towards that title, I suppose. From the beginning, I enjoy all the season. I think is that is my karma, no? Thank you to the chairman. Always uh, he gave to us uh, calm, positivity, the staff, of course, all my players. They fight so so hard, and the and the fans, all Leicester, all the community. They were amazing. How so? I'm an Ipswich Town fan, and you know Ipswich and Leicester are not actually that dissimilar in size. That's what I'm cl- yep. cl- kind of clinging to a little bit at the moment as we languish in the third division. But um, were you aware that season of kind of the impact on other on other sort of less glamorous, smaller cl- smaller clubs? But you know, the, not the big six clubs, and and kind of the impact that Leicester winning the title had. Did that was was that kind of part of it, or was that something that you kind of understood afterwards? I think that was definitely something that I understood afterwards. Um, I think, to be honest, during that title, that title-winning season, there was I, I, don't, I wasn't focused on anything. Relationships <laughs> yeah. with people, work, <laughs> like feeding myself, like cleaning myself. Like yeah. the only thing I was actually bothered about was bloody Leicester City. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. It's the only thing I could talk about. So I think during that season, I probably didn't realise what that meant to other clubs. But yeah, I think people that I've spoken to afterwards, I think. For a lot of people, I don't know, maybe I'm completely wrong about this and actually lots of people hate Leicester City as a club. But I think like for most people in the country, Leicester, there's a sort of, there's a sort of, um, there's definitely an admiration there. And there's, I think think it's Leicester a difficult team to really hate, apart from obviously if you're a, maybe if you're a Forest or a Derby fan. But I do think it's quite difficult to feel anything but respect to this respect for the story that Leicester have been through um and yeah I can imagine for for clubs that have you know Leicester have been in um lower leagues and and not too distant memory actually so I think for yeah as you say for fans like yourself I'm sure and I hope that Leicester can be that um you know that story of that story of hope and sort of showing that it you know it is possible it is actually Mm. possible to pull away and sort of contend with those big teams that you wouldn't necessarily thought would be within touching distance yeah so um you're a lifelong Leicester City fan how how what was the 
uh, how did you how did that kind of that that relationship with the club begin because uh, i understand you, you share a season ticket with your dad as well is that so was it was it that relationship that kind of brought leicester city into your life yeah it was that it was i think with with so many people obviously they get they get pulled into um football by their family and that was definitely the way that I sort of connected with the game I'd go to football matches with my dad growing up I've got two sisters um and it basically very very close to accurate what you said in terms of showing the season ticket so we've Mm. got two season tickets for the family so we'd basically my dad would always have his and then the other one would be split between me my sisters and my mum so like we'd sort of go on rotation uh, just to keep it fair so that was it that was it basically it was just sort of going to football games with my dad having it as part of the weekend um it was always just something that we'd always really look forward to a bit of time to spend with my dad i always say that i didn't have a clue what was going on with the games when i was younger i wasn't particularly into the football element of it in terms of the tactics in terms of the play but i just loved it as a spectacle i just used to love going down in the cold in the rain and just sort of hearing those lesser accents seeing those beautiful sights and just the excitement of it i used to just get buzzed i've always just been it just feels like it's always been Whenever, whenever I'm at, at a football game in those big stadiums, I do just feel like quite alive in those settings. So yeah, for me, yeah. even as a kid, like it used to blow my brain. Yeah. Like that went as a child, as sort of like a nine-year-old going to football for the first time. Obviously, you, you get used to it as an adult, don't you? Sort of going into mm. those things and feeling mm. feeling that. But actually, as a as a child for the very first time, it really is. There's nothing like it. You can't compare it to any other experience, really. So for no. me, I think I just fell in love with it from that very first moment. Yeah, and would that have been Filbert Street back then? Yeah, 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 Filbert, Filbert Street. Street. And yeah. we used to sit Carling Stand, so behind the goal, yeah. and there used to be this big pillar in front oh, of us. So you got remember. like barely. Yeah. Oh, it's such a cracking ground. Like, yeah, still yeah, love yeah. It. yeah. No, definitely. And I, I think you know, those old stadiums are just. I miss them so much because it does yeah. feel very different. Felt much more kind of raw and a bit kind of primitive, which is part of the appeal, isn't it? Particularly mm. as you just described, when you're younger, it feels so different and um, just thrilling, I suppose. And and the kind of those old crumbling stadiums added to that that feeling, I think. Totally. And I think like going to football as an adult, and I think I sort of said that, you know, my dad was the one that sort of got me into football, but friends of mine over the years of doing this fangirl, they're the ones that have really hooked me to it. So Harry is a a, a girl that sort of works with us at this fangirl and she's a huge Sunderland fan. And she's definitely one of those people that sort of connected me to football. Um, sort of in my adult years I've been to lots of games with her we've been to sort of games up and down the country where was the one where was the most recent one we went to it was Portsmouth that is one of my favourite grounds in the entire country oh it's so good and I think like over over my sort of like years going to football grounds as an adult those it's so true those are the sort of grounds that have stood out Mm on my memory that's why I feel real attachment to Palace like I love yeah. so much yeah. it's got that feeling of it just having that real historic element um, yeah so oh, oh it's making me want to go back so badly you're making me feel really nostalgic for going I, to football grounds yeah 100% just on the Palace thing I can I completely agree I, um, I wrote something for Pickles magazine a few years ago actually and it was it was to tie it was kind of tied in with the 25th anniversary of the Premier League um, mm. and I look back at the, the the game that had been had the fewest fans at and it was Wimbledon versus Everton in about 1993 like January Excellent. 1993 at Selhurst Park it was like three and a half thousand people there and then I just wrote this kind of long ode to Selhurst Park because it was like 
everything it was the complete antithesis to the kind of glitz and glamour and shiny stadiums of the Premier League. I just I just love the fact it's such a complete shithole. And it's just it's just unashamedly a shithole as well. So um yeah, anyway, I'm I'm with you on that one hundred percent. Right, let's let's talk about this fangirl because it is Yeah. Uh, if I've got this right, this fangirl is intrinsically linked to that Leicester City season, is that right? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think um I think as I sort of develop this fangirl, that's something that's becoming a little bit more even more of a focus for me. I'm back in the Midlands now. Um, I was away for a really long time. And it's something that I'm always really keen to connect with, sort of people in the Midlands, Midlands creatives. But yeah, absolutely. This Van Gogh was basically came off the back of that season. So I took photos at the King Power, I was about to call it Filbert Street. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I wish. <laughs> no, King Power was perfectly fine. Actually, King Power was like, yeah. great, so I won't yeah. say anything bad about that stadium. <laughs> anyway, I was taking photos at the King Power of yeah. um, sort of fans around that time um, just because... I was obsessed with this. I was obsessed with the title-winning season. Like I just was consuming so much media. I had all everything that I was doing. It was just all based around City, as we sort of mentioned before. I was just wanting to read everything, but nothing. There was no visuals to connect me to the season. So I was just like, okay, well, like why, why don't I try and go and take a couple myself? Never barely even like picked up a camera in my life, but take, took a few photos, and some of them came up really well. So I was like, oh, this is so much fun. Like I'm loving this. I love being around football fans, mm. capturing these moments. And then me and my friend Laura, we were talking over the summer and we were sort of saying like how interesting it would be to sort of put that, do what I'd been doing at Leicester City, taking those photos, but do it through a female lens and take photos of female football fans. So that, that was basically the start of that project. We went to over that, the following season, which was 2016, 2017, went to every single club in the country and took photos. Every of single football. club? In the Premier League, sorry, let me preface that. Every single club in the Premier League. Yeah, I wouldn't have yeah. been doing all, what was it, 92. Yeah. Um, and took photos of fans at, um, yeah, there, which was amazing. And we got like an incredible array of images. And basically this fangirl sort of kicked in off the back of us putting those up on social media. We realised that there were so many women sort of getting in contact with us and saying, okay, this 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 looks like me, this looks like my mum, this looks like me and my auntie, and just yeah. sort of realised that actually the photos that we were taking just maybe made sort of let people recognise themselves in them. Yeah. Um, so basically this fangirl sort of started off the back of that. It yeah. was um, initially very much a photography project, moved into, I guess, a community and a platform and... Uh, um, yeah like a, a media platform which is what we are now and so the, it was it was originally a, a kind of a, a reaction or a, a kind of uh not protest it might be the, the wrong word but against the kind of stereotypical portrayal of female fans is that right yeah definitely i think it was it was super like to be totally honest there wasn't really a plan <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it was just essentially we never really thought oh you know what okay this is exactly what we want to do yeah. i think we never we never thought of it as oh we want to be like a platform we want to be a movement or anything like that it was just really just a bit of a chance for me and laura to go to some football games together to have some fun together to explore yeah. a bit and just to i think we realized very early on that 
the images that were sort of coming out in 2016, which is when we started this Van Gogh, because of the Euros, it always happens. There were We knew that the images that were coming out just weren't actually what was the reality of female fandom. So I guess it was sort of, yeah, as you say, it was sort of a reaction to that and sort of wanting to put forward a different image. I don't think we realised how many, and, it, and it, the plan was always to go to lots of different clubs, but I don't think we ever realised how many images we'd get back um, and sort of what it would say about fandom. I don't think we necessarily knew what that would what that would look like um, towards the end of the season. But it was very much about just sort of, in ourselves, we recognised that we love football, but we didn't really feel like we could have a proper part in it, I suppose. So yeah. I guess the way that we wanted to address that was through imagery, first and foremost, and sort of show, okay, look, there are so many different fans in this country. Why where is the where is the space for them i suppose well, well, I, one thing i wanted to ask you was was there anything as you went around the premier league actually actually before i go into that i did look at some of the pictures earlier and i spotted you you came to portman road which is a, it's it's which, oh, come on sorry 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 <laughs> you came to, you, i was just like wait hold on wait i had to get a, that right there's a picture Do you know what Ipswich we fan. didn't oh, we didn't no, okay. we didn't come oh, to portman road fine, portman fine. road came to us it was okay. Ipswich versus Fulham quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah. And we went to that game, so I'm, no, we've not been to Ipswich. Okay, fine, But fine. we do have a banging photo of some Ipswich fans, so I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, they were, yeah. The girls had, like, really styled up the, the jerseys, so... Excellent, okay, um, cool. Okay, okay, yeah. fair, enough, fair enough. One for the future. We've absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, so what was the what was the thing you, you, you learned as you went around the country photographing female football fans? Was there, any, was there something that you kind of learned on that? on that and I'm not going to use the word journey but as you as you did that as you kind of completed this project um I think there's a couple of things I think like we we learned so much just about um the process of taking photography because it's super like intimidating going up to someone and being like hi um my name's Amy I'm, I'm doing a project um <laughs> yeah. please, would it be possible if I could take your photo and like it's really hard to not take it personally when people don't want you to take their photo yeah was because there, it was... is like was there a level of suspicion where people were like, what on earth are you doing? Yeah, big time. Yeah. It was weird having like two girls that had like two gin, like G&Ts in their hands because we used to always like take our little like cheeky Marks and Spencer's gin and tins and they were like, yeah. what are you girls up to? So there was loads of suspicion. So people yeah. like, we got loads of people being like, no, I don't want you to take our photo. But you get used to it and it, it, like you have to realise that actually it's not necessarily that they you know, they don't care about your project, it's might, they might be running to the game. So I think you yeah. learn really quickly just to get a bit of a thick skin in terms of asking people to do things, which is genuinely, I think, a really good life skill. Absolutely. Um, I think what we learn about football, I think for me, because my experience of football was has been so Leicester City-centric, so I don't think I ever really totally understood just how important and how intrinsic football is to this nation mm. because I think like we'd go to say okay so cool so we'd go to like West Ham versus something on a Saturday and you just see like this flood of like 30,000 40,000 people walking towards you and you were like okay well we've been going to games every single weekend we go to we've been to Sunderland the weekend before we've been to I don't know Liverpool the weekend before that and you realize that it's not just here that you've got like this wave of people mm. it's matches all across the country where people yeah. are doing this that, people are like going en masse yeah that's and it really was really visceral for me yeah and I, I guess you when you're not a fan of either side playing you get a, an objective view of what you're looking at 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is just the numbers, the mm. numbers of people that are going every single week in, out. And you sort of, you almost end up doing some sums. You're like, okay, so there's however many thousands of people yeah. doing the exact same thing every single weekend. It was, I think it was at that moment and across that year, I definitely got an understanding of just like how entrenched football is to this country, yeah. just for how many people are involved in the game in some way. And yeah, obviously these are the people that are going to matches. How many people are watching it in pubs? Like yeah. it's massive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I think it was just like, I loved that year so much. Like I wish I could do that year every single year. It was just incredibly, <laughs> incredibly expensive and incredibly time consuming, unfortunately. <laughs> I but I would, I would love, to, I honestly, if I could spend the rest of my life doing that, that's what I'd, that's what I'd do as an actual like real, real yeah. a real job yeah <laughs> but yeah. i loved it we loved sort of like exploring like different corners and you mm. know just seeing how it all changed from one side of the country to the other yeah were there any stories that stood out from from your travels up and down the country any people that you met that were just you'll never forget or what kind of moments that really just reminded you of what a special game football is I mean, oh God, there's, I could think of tons. Um, I feel like there's probably a podcast in that, actually. <laughs> there was, I feel like there's this one woman that just stood out to me so much, and she was at Man United, and this was a... I think this was a shoot that we both sort of struggled with a little bit because it's really difficult to shoot at Old Trafford just because there are so many security guards everywhere there's horses everywhere you can't stand anywhere without someone coming up to you and being like oh you shouldn't be here get off but there was this one woman that we spoke to for a little while and she was sort of saying i think she was in her 40s and she had um a couple of children she was just like yeah old trafford it's 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 um it's the only place for me and we were like oh okay right like you you know tell us a little bit more about it and she was like well we've just come back from australia actually and i was like oh cool you know you must have just like come back from holiday she was like no we moved but we missed old trafford so much i bought the family back and i was like <laughs> what on earth so you uprooted your like life to go to australia and because you missed football so much you moved everyone home but that was it she was yeah. just like i couldn't it didn't work australia didn't work for me we just missed the football too much and i was like oh that is so like that I feel like that speaks so deeply of so many people and their connection yeah. to it. It's just yeah. like, it's you can't move, you can't leave. No, like, you, like no. it's, if it's part of you, then, you know, you have to be close to it. Absolutely. So I think she's always someone that's really stood out to me. Yeah, that's great. Um, you mentioned earlier there was never really kind of a plan for this fangirl, but obviously it did develop from a, a kind of pho photography project into something much more a community. Yeah. Um, how did that happen and, and what has it developed into? I think the way that it happened was really organic as I said like like I mentioned we didn't we didn't really think okay you know we want to be uh, a media platform so much it was very much just like it was a project first but it was it was purely built from the reactions from people that we sort of got along the way so it was these women that were sort of reaching out to us and sort of saying this is this is me um, and just realizing that there, there wasn't that space and I think I think everything that has happened at this Van Gogh has come from a need from either myself or from Laura or from, sorry, I've just got something in my mouth, <laughs> um, or from Harry. It's just sort of identifying a need that we've sort of felt in football. So I think for Laura and I initially, it was that sort of realising that we weren't represented visually. Mm. I think Harry was, Harry always mentioned um, that she liked to sort of go on football forums and sort of get involved in the chat there and sort of you know talk about Sunderland and talk about 
how well or how badly at the time they'd been doing. But mm. she was like, every single time I go on, they see my name, they see my picture. And then as soon as I try and share a comment, it's just sort of met with instant sexism. She was just like, it'd be super cool if we could like, I don't know, like make a forum. So that's when we started the This Fine Girl chat group, which is on Facebook. Yeah. And then basically the community just started from there. So that's what we've got at the moment. We still use it like every day. So we sort of share comments. People will share articles, talk about football. And it's just that safe space to do that. And it's yeah. to do so, sort of ask questions, share opinion. And you don't have to worry about, I don't know, worry about that, that sexism or just feeling like you're not a real fan because you don't know every single thing about the game. So yeah. that's really where that community element was built. And that, yeah. I guess that's that's what this fango is such such a big part of what we do is that that element of community i suppose you've worked with some pretty big premier league clubs as well i think haven't you mm-hmm. what 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 is that what work has that been what's the what's the involvement there so yeah we've done um we've done some work with some great clubs we've been very fortunate to be able to work with man city work with arsenal chelsea um hopefully more to come in the next couple of years we'd really love that it's always super fun when we can get involved with clubs and do work with them um the main sort of stuff that we've been doing has just been content so we've been working on campaigns with them we did a kit launch with man city which was incredible over the summer yeah um working with the club to connect them with girls in our community and um yeah did a really cool campaign around that i suppose the main thing that the, the main ways that we work with clubs is basically to connect them um with our creative and just just give it a bit more of a female a female focus i think so much of the stuff that sort of clubs often put out either doesn't connect with a female audience or just completely misses them off and i yeah. suppose working with this van girl um can sort of fill that void i guess do you think clubs are kind of finally getting it yeah to a point i think they are i think they are understanding that they need to have women in their you know in their advertising and in their um comms i think sometimes some clubs do it better than others i think i think what the way that man city did it they were basically like look you're the experts like you you do what you need to do they put a lot of trust in this i think sometimes it can feel a little bit like tokenistic it's just like oh just get any sort of any woman in um i think it's all about making that just not even feel authentic just make that authentic there are incredible female fans who you can give the license to to sort of bring this into bring these things together i think often sometimes when it's left with the clubs to run that themselves they don't quite get the distinction um yeah. but yeah i think people have it's definitely on people's agendas now much more than it was yeah and brands coming to you as well that brands try, kids yeah. are trying to tap into this uh, tap, tap into it is the wrong is the wrong expression but they're trying to understand how they can basically market themselves i guess better to women yeah 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 definitely and i think brands have been doing that for a little while but i think brands are a lot quicker to do that than football clubs unsurprisingly yeah. um and there's definitely been a big push for that and understanding that i think it's just all about the understanding it's just sort of that this market is so much bigger than I think they ever anticipated. It's almost, mm-hmm. There's always been a bit of a disconnect. There's always been like this big, I think it was a couple of years ago, there were like 25% of um, football fans in this country are female. And bear in mind like how big this audience is. That for anyone sort of doing the sums should recognise that that is a huge audience to yeah. sort of try and connect with. I think for a long time people have just not quite understood how to go about doing that. Yeah. how to go about telling those stories, how to 
connect women with football in a way that doesn't feel like you're, I don't know, being patronising or um, the, the marketing's particularly different because it doesn't have to be. It just has to be representative more than anything. Yeah. So we've got a huge summer of football approaching and it now yeah. looks like we might actually be able to go to some games potentially as well. What um, ah! what, <laughs> what is... Um, what 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 have you guys got plans in terms of the the football that's coming up? Honestly, I've like ba- <laughs> honest, I've basically only just got my head around the fact that the world is opening up again. Yeah, so yeah, same. I, even it makes me a bit nervous, like saying that out loud. <laughs> like it's going to be a bit of a thing getting used to it, isn't it? Um, right at this moment in time, we don't have we don't we don't have any plans, sort of in concrete just yeah. because yeah. we still don't exactly know what that's going to mean no. that's going to look like do, do we no. um i know obviously we potentially might have some fans getting back to it but in what capacity we're still not entirely sure huge part of what we did this fangirl was those the, the meetups where we had people going to games in real life again we don't know exactly what form that's going to take mm. if we are even going to be able to do that as we did last summer. I don't think it's necessarily going to be exactly not last summer, the summer before. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be in that exact same format as it was. So the, my, the answer to that question is, I don't know. No, no, I'm sure <laughs> to you be were. totally honest. I think probably everyone's in the same boat, aren't they? I mean, it's fingers crossed really, isn't it? It's like, it is. it's so tantalising. It feels feels suddenly within reach and we'll, I guess we'll just have to wait and see and not get our hopes up too much. Um, yeah. We should probably talk about football shirts briefly as well. Let's do it. Um, I, was, I probably should have prepared you for this, really. But what if you had to pick? <laughs> if you had to pick a football shirt that meant something more to you than any other, which would you go for and why? So it's got to be my favourite shirt of all time, and the one that I think like if I close my eyes and and you sort of say right imagine a football shirt it's just the first one that comes to my mind is just that it's the Walker strip the Leicester City Walker strip don't know exactly what year it was I think we had that sponsor for years and years actually yeah but I think everyone can everyone can picture it it's yeah. the sort of the yellow almost looks like a crisp Walker's badge going over the top beautiful white collar disgusting itchy fabric it was the 90s after all wasn't it (laughs) oversized yeah only way to wear it um that's the one that just sort of i feel like that was probably that must have been the one that i saw first so then maybe that's why it's so cemented in my memory yeah um just think it's beautiful it just really reminds me of those yeah when i first got into football probably my first sights of seeing um that in real life and i think it's I think it's one that's really um, done well through time as well. I think it mm. still looks really sharp. I think it's never really, it, I don't think it's ever sort of gone out of style. So I think for me, it's that clean 90s kit. Yeah. The beautiful blue. Yeah. Um, I need to find out exactly what year that was. I feel like yeah. they've tried to bring that one back. But yeah, not, I just, not I, th- much I think, I, yeah, I just, would Robbie Savage, was, was he playing? I feel like Robbie Savage wearing Definitely. a very baggy version of it. I mean, they're always baggy, weren't they, as you said, but um, particularly Robbie baggy Savage Robbie Savage. Robbie Savage was 100%, was yeah. 100% one of those guys in the uh, guys in the kit. It was the Emil Heskey, it was the yeah. Muzzy Is It. That's it right. was that sort of era. Yeah, the kind of collar that you could, I think you could button up, but everyone wore it open. It was like the collar just looked enormous, didn't it? Huge collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, really overstated. That's a, that's a very good choice. Um, what about a non-Leicester shirt, any shirts that kind of evoke particular nostalgia or memories? So funny, because I think I was listening to earlier pods of um, of 
of this podcast, of yeah. the his podcast. And I, I, I've always really struggled with this question because I'm like, how how can I talk about any other shirt if it's not my team? But yeah. we've basically yeah. just done, this fangirl has just started a podcast and Aisha, who was on our last one, she sort of said something really interesting and she was just like, as long as it's not an oppressor, like I don't care about wearing any of the football shirt, it just has to look good. And I was like, ah, oh, that's such an interesting way to look at it. I was like, that's actually really, that opens you up to a whole bunch of different styling choices if you look yeah. at it through that eyes. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, can't say, I don't think I'm necessarily, quite, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit more territorial than that. So I think <laughs> for me, it's, I'm not going to say any other um, England team, but okay. I think, I think to, to be totally honest, the shirts that have really spoken to me have been, through the grass grassroots community, through that um, London grassroots grassroots yeah. grassroots community, yeah. I think one that's really just, just I just love this season is the Human Race Adidas Romance FC collaboration from this yeah. year. Yeah, I think like Romance FC also you've got to remember like they were basically I think they were the team that sort of introduced that. You know, like now you see so many people doing their own shirts. Like yeah, Romance FC yeah. were the first ones to do that, I think. Yeah, so yeah, I, like yeah. them sort of elevating that through that collaboration with Pharrell and with Human Race and with Adidas was just incredible. I think that one was so fresh. Yeah. So for me, that has been like a, yeah. an absolute beauty of this year. Yeah, but I think definitely. one that actually really, for me, really, really does connect with me is the England kit, the women's England kit from 2019, that yeah. custom made beautiful home and away shirt the away one being the most special i think with the roses print yeah, i just think so that good. is just such a moment as well it's sort of saying look we're not for the first time ever we're having our own kit you yeah. are taking this seriously this is a moment for us it's going to be custom fit for us it's not yeah. going to be cut it's not going to be sort of like a men's hand-me-down it's going to yeah. be fitted for the female team special design um just sort of nike going out with that all guns blazing approach to yeah. having something so custom i think that has to be one of my favorite shirts of all time actually. yeah i think that's a great shirt and i remember the france shirt from it must have been a couple of years ago as well with the polka dots is just such a brilliant shirt it's so great polka it's dots and the socks as well it's just so nice yeah so good i just think it also just it was just sort of that element i think they had such a they had an incredible design team on it just to give it a real different look and a different feel and just give it that space that it deserved i think yeah. that was incredible yeah definitely i think the um the question around favorite shirts <laughs> as you as i asked you that i was thinking i went on a podcast the other day where i was being interviewed and they asked me the same question actually the, the podcast is around picking your, your favorite three shirts and i did have some warning which was good but I realised I don't have I don't have a favourite football shirt. I was like, oh my not? god, this is embarrassing. Like, how have I never thought of this before? That like, you know, I really do need to choose. And I picked some fairly random choices actually in the end. Um, but um, yeah, it's quite a difficult question. I think I just like a lot. I think that's the problem. Yeah, I find it very difficult. I to like choose, lots to of them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Amy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for, for speaking no to worries. us. It's great, fantastic to hear about this fangirl. I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes next. Thank you so much for having me.